Welcome to the second episode of the Relaunched Test Scotland podcast. Each month we will discuss a long read investigation we've published on some fascinating and important aspects of Scottish education. I am Henry Hepburn, Scotland editor of TES, and I'm joined today by TES Scotland senior reporter Emma Seath. Uh, the publication date of our latest long read is significant. Two years ago to the day, on Monday 23rd of March 2020, schools throughout Scotland fell silent. After a seismic series of events the week before, Hard to believe, but within the space of a few days, the COVID pandemic led to all school inspections being stopped, all student-teacher school placements being cut short, national exams being cancelled for the first time in their history, and, of course, the announcement that school buildings were to close en masse for no one knew how long, from 23rd of March. So, to mark two years of COVID, we spoke to 10 different educators in Scotland from a range of sectors and backgrounds to ask them how the turmoil around the pandemic has played out for them and what they think its legacy will be. Emma, what really comes across to me in the piece, uh, now that we've spoken to everyone and we've, uh, you know, we, we've published the piece, is the incredible amount of plates that some people were having to spin over these past two years. Could you give us a little bit of flavour of that? Yeah, well, I mean, being reminded of all that juggling that went on during the first lockdown made me come out in a cold sweat. <laughs> you be both, you be both. <laughs> Also, just how adaptable people have to be, you know, like adapting to their children being at home if they had them, but also adapting to working at home themselves. And then in this case of teachers to teaching online. And it was just all the pressure that that put people under. That was one of the things that really came through in the interviews, um, not least for um, Johnny Lothian, who is the head of Morgan Academy in Dundee now, but who at that time was the head teacher of Perth Academy. Um, and he talked to us about homeschooling his own four children, two of whom at that time were in primary and two of whom were in secondary at the same time as running the school from his living room. And his wife um, was working as an HR manager for the NHS, but then she was redeployed to fit face masks um, for frontline NHS workers. So she wasn't available to sort of take part in the home learning side of it. So he really was, you know, sort of, a one-man band, you know, sort of doing all of that. Now, he was very much at pains to stress that he knows that there were a lot of people that had it tougher. And interestingly, um, not least the teachers who were working across Scotland who were juggling often having to deliver live lessons and looking after their families at the same time. But in terms of his own experience, he didn't mince his words. He said it was awful. <laughs> I think it was very interesting about, about what he had to tell us was that he changed jobs. He moved to new head teacher post in the in the the, the, the in the midst of it all. Having said that, uh, he did have prior experience of being a head teacher. Someone else we spoke to took on took on the first headship during the COVID pandemic. Not only that, but Amanda McIntyre, who's a primary head teacher. She co-wrote a book, and the name of that book is Dying to Live, the remarkable true story of Scotland's sickest survivor of COVID-19. And that's her husband that's referring to. Uh, many of you listening may remember, if you cast your mind, it's nearly two years back to the uh, Grant McIntyre story was featured quite prominently in, um, in the news. Uh, he, as the title of the book suggests, was widely described as Scotland's sickest survivor of COVID-19. So... Amanda was obviously dealing with Grant's situation, with her husband's situation, um, while being a private school head teacher. And then actually after Grant did uh, get on the road to recovery, I think it was just a matter of days, four days after he came home from intensive care that she was taking up her new post, which is just, uh, which is 
is mind-boggling to me. But actually, Amanda says that amidst all that turmoil and uh, and, and trauma, um, that to have to, to work in a school where there is such a sense of purpose, where she found colleagues were hugely supportive, and you know there is a sense of mission around teaching sometimes, insofar as you feel like you're doing something that will better the world. Uh, so I think she drew on a lot of reserves from that to to really fuel through and power through and just feel like, well, you know, here's something that I can take my mind off, you know, mind off the situation. Um, and just, uh, you know, I'm doing something worthwhile here. And that, that was, you know, fueled to a lot of people. Um, so yeah, some fascinating stories like that. I've just, I think the issues are well reported by now, but those, some of those personal stories about what just exactly people working in schools were juggling in terms of, uh, their personal lives as well as the, the huge burden that they had to take on, um, in, in in the day their day to day work was was quite incredible. Now we also should forget that these two years of COVID have been hugely difficult for pupils in Scotland schools. We spoke to three SDU pupils from Falkirk who were in the last year of primary school in March 2020, and we'll break here to hear about some of their highs and lows in the past two years. In the order that they speak, we've got Ruby, Ollie, and Ailish. You like get your work halfway through a period because like technical difficulties. So you'd have 25 minutes to do like an hour's work. It was really stressful. Everything got cancelled, like yeah. even like the small things, like the clubs you could go to, there was like yeah, a select like few. Online clubs. And like online clubs I... just weren't as fun. Yeah. Okay, what about you, Holly? I think just like, it was quite draining having to sit at a computer and stare at it for hours. Like six hours of being online was quite draining. Yeah. After school had finished, I'd just go back onto the PC and sit at the same de desk like him. There was no difference. There was no commute to school and from school. It was just the same place and you were on the same device and it was just kind of difficult. And what about the, because there have been some high points as well and yeah. what's, what would you say, we'll go the same order again, what's been the, the best thing or just something that's been memorable in a good way about, about this sort of two years of COVID? I think like the freedom, like you can wake up when you want and you can also like, you can eat what you want, wear what you want, you can do all that and no one can like judge you because you're at home behind the screen. And it's quite just like, it was quite good for a bit, not in the long run, but for a bit, it was just quite relaxing. Instead of having the stress of all your things, you could just like relax at home, wake up one minute before school starts and then just like do all your lessons. You can have too much of a good thing. It was yeah. really good in the beginning and then everything just became the same, like every day. Yeah. It was, every day it was, was the like same. the Truman Show, like every yeah, day was the same. Yeah, I agree, the same as Ruby. It's just, it was quite relaxing in the first few weeks. Just being able to like get up, eat what you want, do what you want, go for a run, come back, have a shower, do work. <laughs> Sounds kind of bad, but you could be doing anything behind the camera and they wouldn't know. And you wouldn't have to deal with it. Like, you could be sitting there eating ice cream and they don't know. And you're not being judged for it, know what I mean? Coming back to school staff, Emma, they had some interesting views about uh, the potential legacy of COVID and then, you know, some potential positives in there even. We have teachers who said that they, because they'd had to collaborate more and had set up some, in some cases, some really popular professional learning networks uh, on the back of that real need to connect with each other during COVID, um, you know, there was some positivity, positivity there. 
was also a common and not entirely unrelated view that professional learning will improve as a result of COVID. Partly that's because there are now so many of these online nimble grassroots events that have emerged that the idea of trudging along to hear familiar keynote speakers at big in-person conferences just seems a bit passe to many people now. I mean, that's just one small thing. Emma, what stands out for you and what people will think uh, think will happen after COVID? I mean, are, are they even in that headspace yet where they can properly think about a post-COVID world? I, I think that um, possibly not. Um, one of the things that um, John Reid, the president of School Leaders Scotland, and also the head teacher at Labyrinth High keeps on stressing is that it's not business as usual in schools just now. And we had a piece last week that really, you know, sort of highlighted why that's the case. Um, and every Thursday, the Scottish government um, up, updates its attendance data showing, you know, sort of the le level of absence amongst pupils and staff in Scotland schools. And the figures apply to the previous Tuesday. So they give you the sort of the state of affairs on the previous Tuesday of that same week. So this latest data applies to the 15th of March. And it shows that on the 15th of March, there were 6,058 school staff absent. That was up from 4,676 the previous week. And it's the highest level of staff absence so far this year. So if you think about that, you know, remember when we were coming back after uh, Christmas and there were all those fears about because of... Um, the fast spread of Omicron, would there even be enough staff to um, allow schools to be able to reopen? And uh, at that time, staff absence was actually lower than it is just now. So I think that that tells you a bit about, you know, sort of what's happening in schools. We were hearing from then from the um, General Secretary of School Leaders Scotland, uh, Jim Thulis, that some year groups are having to be sent home because there's not the staff to be able to cope with all pupils attending school in person. And they're trying to prioritize the pupils whose exams now are well and truly looming. So, you know, if you're thinking about education recovery, um, I think that people in schools just now, they're very much dealing with the, con still continuing to deal with the consequences of COVID. Um, and it, it wouldn't feel like we're particularly in that phase of the pandemic yet. Um, Johnny Lothian, uh, going, who just to remind again, he is the um, head teacher now of Morgan uh, Academy, was the head teacher at Perth Academy, and he's featured in this long read about marking um, two years since the start of, um, well, two years since school, schools closed for that first time. He suggested that maybe the coming school year will be when schools have the headspace to start thinking about the long-term consequences of all this disruption and how they're going to be able to support their pupils. But again, that will depend on the impact of COVID abating. Yeah, it's a, it's a really fascinating piece. I think we pulled together here, it looks back at the past two years and, and also forward. I think it's such an important point to make that this is not over. It's not, uh, you know, we've not reached an end point, far from it. Um, and, and just in terms of the sheer um, passage of time, I mean, if we're thinking about those girls that we spoke to who are in P7 or now in S2, um, you know, they're, they've gone from a period where they were thinking about transition to secondary school to now they're in the, that point of their school, time in school where it's subject choices, they're thinking ahead to exams and so forth. So it's, it's such a a huge chunk of these young people's lives uh, and and also the, the teachers who work with them. So you can read the, the full article at tez.com forward slash magazine. Um, it's available now. So thanks to you all for listening. Thanks, Emma. And we'll be back towards the end of April with the next episode.